Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Radio Omniglot podcast. My name is Simon Eger and in this episode I am talking about which languages are easiest to learn and what makes a language easy or difficult to learn. Specifically, I'm looking at languages that are easy to learn for English speakers, native speakers of English, I mean. So, what makes a language easy or difficult to learn? Well, there are various factors, but basically, it's how similar it is to your mother tongue and any other languages you might know. So, in the case of English speakers, languages that are related include um, Scots, Dutch, German, Afrikaans. Those are all part of the West Germanic language family, or the West Germanic branch of the Germanic language family. And then there are the North Germanic languages, such as Swedish, Danish, and Norwegian, which are also quite close to English, have a lot of vocabulary and grammar in common. So those are linguistically the closest languages to English. But English is a curious language because it has borrowed um, vocabulary from many other languages. At at its root, it's a Germanic language, specifically a West Germanic language, but it has also borrowed extensively from French, particularly Norman French, and from Latin, and from Old Norse, and from Greek, and from many other languages. So if you learn any of these languages or descendants of these languages you'll find quite a lot of vocabulary in common. So descendants of Latin include languages like French, Spanish, Italian and Portuguese. So if you learn those, you'll find there are many words that seem familiar. They may sound a bit different and be spelled a bit differently, but you can probably recognise them once you get used to those differences. So those are languages that are closely related. So other factors that might make a language easy or difficult to learn include how it is written, so the the alphabet that is used, how it is spelt, and how it is pronounced. So English is written with the Roman or Latin alphabet, and there are many, many other languages written with that same alphabet. It's one of the most commonly used alphabets in the world, so there are many languages to choose from written with that alphabet. And some have very straightforward spelling systems, very regular spelling systems. When you've learnt the rules, you can... Um, write anything that you hear and pronounce anything that you read, pretty much. So languages like Italian, Spanish, Welsh and Czech have very regular spelling systems. And many languages in Africa, like Swahili and others that have been written for relatively short periods of time or regularly update their spelling system so it reflects how the language is actually spoken, unlike, say, English or French or Danish, which have spellings that reflect how the language was spoken in the past and haven't been updated and have lots of irregularities. So that's another factor to consider. And then there are languages that are written with other alphabets and writing systems, such as Russian, which is written with the Cyrillic alphabet. And the Cyrillic alphabet is used to write many other languages, other Slavic languages, such as Belarusian, Serbian and um, Ukrainian, and also many Turkic languages and other languages spoken in um, Central and East Asia, such as um, Kazakh and Uzbek and Kyrgyz and um, also Mongolian and languages spoken in Russia and in former Soviet republics, basically. So the, the Cyrillic alphabet is not too difficult to learn, 
but it adds an extra level of complexity when you're learning a new language if you have to learn a whole new alphabet as well. Now, some of the languages written with the Cyrillic alphabet have a very straightforward um, relationship between the spelling and the pronunciation. You pronounce every letter consistently and you spell each the, so- the sounds in the same way every time. It's more or less like that in Russian, except for some of the vowels which change their pronunciation depending on the stress on each word. So every word, every run- word in Russian has stress on a particular syllable. But there's, um, well, there are some patterns, but it's it's fairly um, random in some ways, a bit like English stress to some extent. So you just have to learn where to put the stress, and that tells you how to pronounce the word. Um, and then in other languages, such as Welsh and Czech and Hungarian, the stress is always on the particular syllable. In Welsh, for example, it's on the penultimate syllable. In Czech and Hungarian, it's always on the first syllable. The same is true in Irish as well. So that helps know how to pronounce things if you know where to put the stress. Other languages have things like tones. Chinese and Vietnamese and Tibetan, they have tones. And these are quite difficult if you're not used to a tonal language. It takes a while to get used to um, pronouncing things where every syllable has a fixed tone, although it may change depending on whatever syllables are next to it, whether, whether tones, the tones of the syllables next to it, I mean. This is a, a process called tone sandy, and it, it is particularly um, complex in languages like Taiwanese and other Minan or Southern Min languages, and also in Wu languages such as Shanghainese. It's fairly straightforward in Mandarin. So that's an extra thing you need to get used to. And then some languages have pitch accents, like, um, I, I actually, Shanghainese is more of a pitch accent than a tonal language, I think. And then there's Swedish that has pitch accent, and I think Japanese and maybe Korean does as well. So that's um, something that's different that you don't have in English, but it takes a bit of getting used to. And then, as I said, uh, pronunciation can be um, another factor. If a language contains sounds that don't exist in your native t- native language or other languages you're familiar with, that makes it more difficult to learn. So if you're looking for languages that have similar sounds to English, well, or sounds that are not too different from English, there are languages like uh, Scots, that's the, probably the closest language to English, and um, Dutch, well, Dutch has some sounds that are not in English, but on the whole, it's not too difficult to get to grips with. Also, German, um, and I'm sure there's plenty of other languages that have similar sounds to English. I can't think of them at the moment. But then many languages have very different sounds or use sounds in different combinations. This is particularly true in languages like Russian and Czech, where they, you get great pile-ups of consonants. You may have up to five consonants in a row without a vowel between them. No, can be quite tricky to pronounce. Even two or three consonants in a row can be di- difficult. And then there are grammatical factors. So for English speakers, there are languages that have kind of similar grammar that's not too difficult to grasp. Include um, Swedish, Danish, and Norwegian, and to some extent Dutch. They have grammatical gender, but only two genders. And like um, you have three in um, German and Icelandic, and a number of other languages, and somehow even more. And then their verb forms, in Swedish, Danish, and Norwegian at least, they don't change for person or number. They only change for tense. And the same is true in Afrikaans. 
they do change for personal number in German and Dutch. So they, that's an extra thing you have to learn. And there are quite a few different tenses. I think there are even more tenses in languages like Spanish and uh, Portuguese. And then in Slavic languages like Russian and Czech and uh, Polish, you've got all the noun cases. So nouns can have many different forms. There aren't too many verb tenses, so you don't have to learn too many verb forms, fortunately. And I don't think there are that many irregular verbs. Because that's another issue of grammar. Now, some languages have very regular grammar. It may be complex, but once you've learned all the different patterns, you can apply them to every word. But in other languages, like English, for example, there are many irregular um, verbs and irregular plurals of nouns. And then in French and Spanish, not many irregular verbs. But then in other languages, like uh, Welsh, you have only five irregular verbs. And they are used a lot. The most irregular of them is um, the verb to be, bod. And that's used to form many tenses, and that has many different forms. Uh, colloquial forms, literary forms, regional variations, and so on. So that's that's a common theme you find in languages. If they do have irregular verbs or, or irregular features, it tends to be the words you use most commonly, most often. Because the words you don't use so often tend to become more regular and behave themselves. So you can't get away without learning in such words. And in some languages, you don't have to worry about you know, conjugating verbs or declining nouns or anything or genders or even plurals. Languages like Chinese, Mandarin particularly, where just putting the words in the right order is, is basically how you put a sentence together. And there are some little particles you have to put in the right place that add that extra subtle meanings, um, which can be a bit tricky to get your head around. But... Um, now, as long as you get the right words in the right order, you're good to go, which does make it a bit easier. But then there are many other things that make Chinese difficult to learn, such as the pronunciation, the tones, the writing system, and the completely different vocabulary. Grammar is um, something you can't avoid, and you have to learn it somehow. This is something I talked about in episode 16 of this podcast, so I won't go into it in any more detail here. Well, the, the word order is never... Another factor, Um, if a language puts together sentences in a very different way to your native language, that can take a bit of getting used to. For example, if you're learning Irish or Scottish Gaelic or Manx, then you'll find that the way you put sentences together is very different to English, and that takes some getting used to. So the word order is something that can make a language relatively easy or more difficult to learn. Um, The word order of... Um, Swedish and Danish and Norwegian is quite similar to English. Not always exactly the same, but it's it's pretty close. And Dutch is quite similar, but sometimes more like German, where you have the verbs going to the end of the sentence. And um, other languages that have um, very different structures include um, Japanese and Korean and Mongolian and the Turkic languages. And they all, in fact, have very similar structures to each other, but very different to English. So if a Japanese person learns, say, Turkish, they'll probably find it a bit easier than learning English or another European language because the language is structured in a similar way to Japanese, even though it's not, as far as we know, related at all. It helps if um, there is common vocabulary between languages, as I said, if it's closely related or languages have borrowed extensively from each other, and other factors that might make a language easy or difficult to learn include the availability of language courses and dictionaries and teachers and classes and other resources to help you learn the language. 
and also material in the language that you might want to enjoy once you can actually understand it. So things like books and uh, TV shows and films and newspapers and magazines and whatever you like to uh, watch and listen to and read and enjoy. So for major word languages, there's probably huge amounts of this sort of thing available. But for lesser known languages, there may not be so much. And then also um, the cultural similarities or differences. So some languages are spoken by people who have a very different culture to your own. For example, if you speak a European language and you're learning a language from, say, East Asia or um, South Africa or wherever, you'll find many cultural differences. And these are, to some extent, reflected in the language itself. So the more different a language and a culture is, the more difficult it is to learn. And the more similar it is to your own language, probably the easier it is to learn. And now it's time for some music. This is a piece I wrote a while ago, played on the piano by me, and it's called The Happy Hedgehog, or A Dreinog Happis. I haven't mentioned so far is Esperanto. This is an international auxiliary language that was created in the 1880s in Poland. It is based on European languages, but designed to be very regular and easy to learn. So it can be used by people from all over the world as a lingua franca. And it is used in that way. There are several million people who speak it, and many more who have some knowledge of it, and even about 2,000 native speakers. There's lots of literature and original material and translations in Esperanto. There's plenty of material and resources to learn it, and courses and uh, meetups and everything. 
It's very regular, as I said. It's written with the Latin alphabet with a few extra um, diacritics. It's not common in other languages, which adds a little extra um, challenge when you're trying to type it if you don't have an Esperanto-enabled keyboard. But apart from that, it's um, pretty straightforward, and that's the whole point. I know people who speak it as a native language or use it regularly and regularly go to Esperanto meetups and conferences and such like and have travelled the world using it even. So that's possible to do. And there's a lot of online activity. So we we have a good idea now of what factors um, make a language relatively easy or more difficult to learn. Another thing you need to consider is motivation. Because you know, no matter how easy or difficult a language might be, if you are not very motivated to learn it, you will find it difficult probably. If you don't have a good reason or reasons to learn a language and you have few opportunities to use it, then it's going to be more difficult. But if you have a strong motivation or good reasons to learn it, then however easy or difficult it might be, you will find ways to learn it. If you are determined and you keep at it, you will eventually get to the stage where you can actually use it. So I think that will do for now. Um, I hope you found this interesting. If you would like to leave any comments on this or any other episode of the Radio Omnigot podcast or make any suggestions or even if you're feeling generous, you can make donations via PayPal or Patreon. You can go to radio.omniglot.com. I have been Simon Ager. This is the Radio Omnigot podcast. And that's all I have to say for now. So thank you for listening and goodbye.